Hello and welcome everybody. My name's Amechi Udo and this is The Business of Coaching. On today's show, I'd like to welcome my guest, Karen Williams from Self-Discovery Coaching. Karen is a successfully published author, coach, speaker, trainer, and generally all-round productive and busy individual. In our conversation today, I'm going to be exploring with Karen a little bit about her experiences, what led her into the world of coaching, and how she managed to really turn her business around. Hello, Karen. Welcome. Thank you, Amechi. Thank you for inviting me. It's um, brilliant to be here and to share some of my wisdom, knowledge, expertise, hopefully today. <laughs> well, well I'm, sure, I'm sure in the time that we have, we'll have that opportunity to share, share some of your know-how and how it can make a difference for our listeners. Now, Karen, although we've spoken a few times, um, I've only really started to get to know you a little bit better over the last few months. But... Mm-hmm. One of the things that intrigued me was to find out a bit more about your background. What was it that led you into coaching? Mm, where would you like me to start? Um, well, I think the best place to start is that um, January 2006, I went to work one day. My boss said to me, Karen, you need to speak out more. You need to say what you think. And um, you, you know me, I'm actually, I'm quite an introvert. I'm quite a shy person, although you may not believe it now compared to where I was eight years ago. And I'm a reflector, and I'm the sort of person who likes to sit back, think about things before I actually step up and say something. And it was that moment when I realized I was in the wrong job. I didn't enjoy what I was doing. And like a lot of people who come into coaching, I got myself my first life coach. And so this is January 2006. I started working with a lovely coach who helped me to find a job that I wanted to do. And I suddenly realized that I could do that, that I found a vocation that I wanted to do. And it was probably about a month later when I started my training. So it's kind of a snap decision to go from, hey, hang on a minute, I'm getting myself a coach, which is something I'd known about anyway, because my background is HR and training. And then I started my coaching journey in the February, which is just feels like a lifetime ago now. <laughs> so that, that sounds like a, a, a big shift in yourself, because you describe yourself as being a reflector, somebody who would always want to take mm. a moment to consider what they were going to say, and then gone, actually, that's it, get myself a life coach, I'm out there. Yeah, how, pretty how, much, how which you... is... Yeah, go on. No, to say that's pretty much how it was, really. Um, but I am a reflector. I don't make snap decisions. I like to think about things before I do things, but when I've made that decision, I just go for it full pout, which is probably what you've seen of me over the last few years. Yes, definitely. So you set your own business up, you got going. Now, it all sounds like you're know, you, you you're fully motivated, fully focused. Surely that should have just meant instant success. Oh, I wish. <laughs> no, it certainly, it certainly wasn't as easy as that. Um, it was November 2006 I actually set up as a coach, so I qualified quite quickly. I did my training within about six months, um, got qualified, got myself a website, um, did it myself, like a lot of people. In the early days, I did a lot of things myself. I got myself some business cards. I got some flyers done, and I sort of like, hey, I'm a coach. And I knew I was good at the coaching because I'd had good feedback. But I'll be honest with you, Matthew, it was, it was a good six months before I really started getting going. And even when I started getting going, the, it, the successes were few and far between. I had some really lucky breaks. But, yeah, it wasn't as easy as I thought I would, it would be. I think for me, it's sort of like I, I, could, I, I had the bigger vision, um, I knew what I could do, 
But I came from a corporate background. I didn't come from having that business experience. Although I did a business H&D many years before, I came from a corporate background. So that was a really big wake-up call for me is actually running a business. And that's really what I've learned over the last, well, eight years now. So there you were. You, you come from this corporate background. I mean, as someone who's also had experience of working in large organizations, you had all the support systems you had, and marketing, and finance, and IT, mm. all, the, all these different departments at, at your fingertips, of, of which you, you were part of. How did you cope with suddenly realizing, hey, I'm IT, I'm finance? Mm. <laughs> well, that's a kind of a shock to the system, isn't it? I think that's what a, you know, looking at some of the challenges that coaches face when they qualify, I think that's one of the biggest ones. You know, especially if you haven't come from that background, you know, you want to be a coach, you want to go and share your expertise and make a difference. And suddenly you realize that you've got to do the marketing yourself. You've got to, you know, as I said earlier, I set up my website myself until one, I think it was about midnight one day, it crashed. And the day after I got myself a web designer because I thought, I can't be dealing with that anymore. And you've got that conflict of roles that you need to do because you need to market yourself, you need to go to networking events, you need to have a website, create a list, generate leads and things like that that but you've also got to be that coach and when you do get those clients you've got to put that hat on as well I think that's the thing that a lot of people struggle with is actually doing everything in the business that needs to happen to make the business happen and I think that's one of the things that people find the most difficult I don't know if you agree with that yourself from your own experience um, yes yeah, certainly you know understanding exactly where your skills are I think mm. you touched upon it a moment ago you said you found your vocation Mm-hmm. And if you're someone who has been looking for something and mm-hmm. has discovered both what it is and what it's called and that you can actually earn an income from it, mm-hmm. it may become very precious. And you don't mm-hmm. want to spoil it with that yucky, yucky business stuff. <laughs> Actually, I love the yucky, yucky business stuff, and that's kind of what I teach people now because I love it. You know, I love absorbing myself in it. At the time, I must admit, it was, you know, a huge learning curve, but I love it. But I think the most important, you know, one of the messages I want to share today with you, uh, Metji, and everyone listening is that don't do everything yourself. You know, in the early days, you know, one of the mistakes that I made was I tried to do everything myself. I tried to be all things to all people and learn everything, Um, you know, and, and I know it can be quite counterintuitive when you've not got much money coming in to do that. But you need to be free to do the things that you do well. You know, these days I've got web designer, a VA. I've got other people that I tap into from time to time when I need them. But for me, that's an incredibly important message. But it's, I also know it's very hard in the early stages to know how to, how to balance all of that as well. But I, I love the business stuff now. It's something that it just gives me a real, real thrill um, <laughs> as part, part of what I do. And it is part of what you do as a coach. If you want to be a coach and you want to run a business, doing the business stuff is something you've just got to get your head around. Now, you say it's just something you've got to get your head around. And mm. yet, for many coaches, getting their head and their heart together on this is a real challenge. How do you work with people to start that process? Well, I work with a lot of people who, um, well, as you know, you know, I work with a lot of coaches, therapists, so pe- people who are working with me at the moment, probably about 50, 60% of my clients are coaches. 
I work with hypnotherapists, EFT practitioners, nutritionists, and various VAs you know, around that sort of spectrum. And really, I start with them right from the very beginning. So some of my clients are very new to coaching. They want the business skills. They know that they can't do it by themselves. And some people are a little bit more established in their business. And really, I just start from the basics. You know, what is the vision? What do you want to create with your business? How are you going to create it? So it's kind of going back to the very basic coaching principles of, you know, setting the goal, looking at where you want to go, looking at the gap between where you are now, where you want to be in the future, and actually getting there. But as you know me, um, I take very much a mentoring approach. Although I come from a coaching principles, I take a mentoring approach because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And when it comes to business, there's a lot of advice giving, suggestions that I will give people. So the sorts of things that people will do with me is to get really clear on their niche, who their ideal clients are, what problems and these people are facing and what they actually want from, from the coach themselves or nutritionist, etc., etc. And then it's about looking at how you can, you know, what are the problems they're facing and what do they want from you instead? So what is the outcome, the benefit, the solution they're looking for? And then I help people to put the business together around that. So the marketing plan, the business strategy, maybe the signature system. And obviously, you know, the book comes into it as well, you know, being having written four books myself, having in the process of getting the third one published, a lot of clients are coming to me because they want to create that book because they know it's a great way to stand out in their business. So, you know, there's no hard and fast rule, to be perfectly honest, because every client I work with is slightly different. But that's kind of the structure that I'll follow with people. And it's also about making the business side of things easier because it can be such an overwhelming thing. You know, I remember one particular client I worked with, she was marketing herself to such a wide um, area that she wasn't really niche. And she found that the marketing side of things was taking up so much time because she was doing a huge array of things to try and get her message out there. But after working with me, she started to identify her thing, what she really wanted to do, and it made it so much easier to put that plan together to, to, you know, to actually start to attract the clients that she wanted to attract because she had a clearer focus with what she was doing. And I suppose that's what I do with my clients, get that focus and that clarity. You get them a focus, you get them a clarity. You provide that mentoring support as mm. well as the coaching to, to enable them to attract the clients that they really want. And that, that sounds like an awful lot of information there for people to get their heads around. When they're just first starting out and they're sort of saying, okay, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. Because I think mm-hmm. that's one of the pe- one of the bits that certainly came through in in, in your description. Yeah. Is that sense of, that sense of overwhelm? I'm I'm endeavouring to follow my vocation in terms of my coaching or my therapy work, um, or my work as a VA. At the same time, I know that I need to do the work around my marketing, my finances. How do you start to help them to filter out to prioritise? Gosh, I think that's a, that's a hard question um, to answer, Mechi, because it's, it's going to be different for everybody. But it is really mm. sort of looking at someone's strengths as well. You know, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, because, and also where, where, where the clients are. So, for example, you know, if you're, working, if you're hoping to work with corporates, it's going to be a very different marketing approach. So if you were working, wanted to work with um, you know, mums in business, so there's a very much different approach. So it's really getting clear on that first. You know, when I work with clients, you know, we can spend, you know, a good few hours, even a day sometimes, just really nailing that part, and then it just makes it easier. And it's knowing where your strengths lie, because there's not much point in me saying, you know, okay, so the way 
and this is kind of an old-fashioned way, but it can work. You know, the way of getting in touch with your clients is cold calling, and you hate using the telephone. It's not going to work for you. If, hmm. you know, speaking might be a great way of getting in front of your audience, um, which is probably a little bit more advanced for some people right now, but you hate speaking, it's not going to work for you. So it's just really getting clear on what do you want with your business? How important is, is it to you? Because you've got to be motivated as well. And for me, it's just working with my clients, you know, one-to-one, every step of the way, keeping, um, keeping them motivated, helping them to be accountable as well, because that keeps, I find with my clients, it often keeps them on track. When they know they've got a call booked with me, they're, you know, they go, oh, crap, you know, I'm speaking to Karen next week, and <laughs> what did I say I was going to do? And it just keeps people on track. And it's about breaking it down into manageable chunks as well. Um, yeah, so it's about really making it easy for people. And I'll be honest with you, I share my mistakes. I'm pretty real when I'm working with clients, and I don't want people to make the same mistakes as me. Like, you know, getting a 1,000 flyers printed was, you know, in hindsight was not the smartest thing to do. But don't forget, this is before social media really came into its own, and it felt like the right thing to do. And a couple of years ago, I did throw quite a few of them out. So, <laughs> you know, it's just about learning. It's keeping up to date with the changing technologies as well and, you know, the best ways of actually doing things. I mean, certainly, you, you almost sound like um, like a Mavin, someone who's really, really passionate about sharing that business development knowledge. Mm. So, working with people, you, you sort of you, you alluded to it a little bit earlier on. You, you highlighted a couple of areas where where people can make a real difference. One being speaking, and the other one being writing writing a book. Mm-hmm. If you share share a little bit with us about the process of writing. I mean, I'm someone who's I've written a couple of e-books. Uh, mm-hmm. I've carried around a lot of knowledge around a book that I, I want to write, and, and probably a, a spin-off a lot alongside that. But it's not quite happened. I've not quite got there. Is this mm. something that you encounter a lot with people? Yeah, certainly. I, you know, I I think all of my clients they know so much information, and I, th- I think. What I find really funny, and I know I've been through it myself, is what is easy for you, what you you know you might dismiss and go, everybody knows that is kind of the thing that you you've got that expertise in. So it's just about really being clear on where you're an expert, what your knowledge is, and also what people want as well. And I think when it comes to a book, it can be, it can feel like such a huge task. You know, writing a book, getting it published, navigating you know the whole maze around it can feel overwhelming. And it's knowing where to start, knowing what your readers want, knowing what else has been written about the subject, and also knowing what makes you different, I think, is, is really key. And that's really where having um, what I call a book-ready business, which is kind of knowing your ideal clients, knowing what they want, your niche, um, and all of that is incredibly important to start. And then it makes it easier to actually plan what people want. So I'll give you an example. So if you were working in the stress arena, so maybe you're a stress coach, you know, that is a huge topic. And writing a book about, you know, how to cope with stress is a really broad thing that, you know, people could take it or leave it, and there's probably other people that have done it. But if you had a really narrow and deep niche, you could really specialize in that area. It gets you noticed, it opens doors, and it allows you to to stand out and become more visible in your business by creating that. But the first thing that you need to know is, you know, really get clear on your ideal clients and, and, and why you're writing that book in the first place. I think that's probably the very first place to start. So you've got a couple of crossovers, I suppose, from the wider, wider business aspect in terms of mm-hmm. getting clear about who your ideal client is, 
and also understanding the why of why you're, why you're wanting to write the book in the same way as understanding the why of why do you want to run your business. Yeah, exactly. So you start, you start to reveal a few of the threads that start to, to move people through creating that book-ready business. Mm-hmm. What, what sort of examples do you have of people who've worked with you? What, what difference has this made, taking this, this approach as opposed to, say, going off to a local college or, or joining a, some form of writer's training program? Gosh, what difference has it made? Well, I remember one lady I worked with, um, gosh, uh, probably about a year, 18 months ago, and she, had, she um, originally came to me because, um, when I was uh, speaking at an event in London, and um, she was uh, the type of lady who came with a copy of my first book, and she was quoting it at me, which was absolutely brilliant, because, you know, she was picking things. You know, in your book, you say this, and it was, it was really great to sort of bounce, bounce off her. Um, she then interviewed me for her book and I helped her um, when she got to the end of it and also with the marketing side of things. Um, so, you know, that's one example of somebody I've worked with and she's actually just come back to me recently to actually make the most from her book. She published it about a year ago and now it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to create group programs. I want to do things like that with it. So she's a prime example of someone I've worked with. And I think one of the distinctions that she made, because um, she's recently just done another program with me, is that... I helped her to get that signature system together. So the structure, the framework for her book, her business, through that signature system just helped her to to see the way forward, to actually put all of her knowledge together. Does does that kind of answer your question? It's one example anyway. Yeah. I I mean, it's clear then somebody's quite literally arrived in front of you with your book and was was quoting back at you. Some clear impact there about the quality of the work you provided. And it's clear that, that person then, then wanted to take things a step further in terms of using mm. it as a, an inspiration and a motivator to develop their book and to utilize your, your expertise to help them. Mm. So, you know, you've, you, you, there you are, you're busy coaching, you're, you're, you're working with your clients one-to-one. And then, you, then you, the idea of a book comes along. How, how does that shift the dynamic for 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 a coach or or a therapist or who has traditionally been so personal with their with their with their work to suddenly move to this realm of writing. Mm, that's a really good question. So when you're working one to one with people, that's brilliant because you're you're making a difference on a one to one basis. But with a book, you can make a bigger difference, i.e. you can reach more people all around the world than you might not be able to reach on a one-to-one basis. And if you think about it, not everybody's going to want to work with you one-to-one as well. And having that idea of the book also helps you to put the, the, you know, some sort of funnel in place so that you're not just working one-to-one with people. So, for example, it's a, it's a low-cost way um, of people getting to know you. So I think, you know, it's about making that bigger difference. But it's also, when you write a book, you... When you're working one-to-one with people, it's kind of safe, potentially. And when, you are decided, when you've decided to write a book, you are putting your message out there in a bigger way to a bigger audience, potentially getting more criticism, and you're, you know, you're lifting your head above the parapet. And I think that's where some people find it really quite tough because of you know, what are people going to say, what are people going to think, because I went through that with my first book as well. So it just takes, it takes the business to you know, the, the next level, and writing a book isn't for everybody. For some people, working one-on-one with clients you know, is what they want to do, but then you've got the whole risk of you know, the feast and famine um, 
consistency in income and things like that. And having a book or another way of standing out as part of that is just going to allow you to to make that bigger impact and make that bigger difference. Does that make sense? Yes, I mean, it does. You know, so if somebody's thinking, oh, great, you know, I'm going to work with Karen or I'll write my book, it's going to make millions, I'll be an Amazon bestseller. Is that how it really goes? Is that, is that, is that what happens? Your book is a business card. Your book is the thing that's going to open doors for you. So, for example, um, I was speaking to someone recently who wants to get more into corporates. And you know what it's like. If you send a letter and a flyer, it's going to go in the bin. If you send an email, it's so easy to delete it. But if you potentially send a book to somebody that's relevant to that audience – it can open doors for you. And I think that's the thing, you know, one of the really big things about, you know, writing a book, it's going to open doors for you that, that may not, you know, may have been closed before. And it gives you that credibility. It gives you that chance to position yourself in a very different way. So the book itself isn't going to make you millions. And obviously there's so many different ways of getting published these days. And that can be a minefield in itself. And that's one of the things um, in my third book, Your Book is a Hook, I kind of try and break that down into manageable chunks. So the book itself won't make you millions, but the outcome of reaching more people, having the people to have a safe way to get to know you before they actually say, yeah, I want to work with you one-to-one, it's going to help you to have such a, a much bigger reach um, in, in your marketplace as well to reach more people. And also it's quite cathartic to get that knowledge out of your head and down onto paper. And I find a lot of my clients find that in, in creating their product. It just, I don't know, it just has that impact as well. Yeah, I can certainly vouch for that as someone who, who I would say probably got a slightly lighter head <laughs> right now <laughs> with some of the knowledge that I've started to write down. But still... Especially when you, you know, if you are working as, as someone covering everything, mm. um, there's, there's sometimes just too much going on. You, you, you do need to literally download some of that information so that you can function and perform better. Yeah, certainly. And that's where having a step-by-step process or a signature system or a process makes it so much easier because it gives you a structure behind the book to begin with. And I'll be honest with you, you know, when I work with any of my clients around their book, the first thing we do is planning. You know, we, you know I, I'll often do a day with somebody with loads of post-it notes, flip chart paper, colored pens, and we spend the time planning, getting all the knowledge out of their head into some sort of structured plan. Because if you don't have a plan, you know, you could just open up your laptop and start writing but then you're going to have a blank piece of paper in a few days' time and you'll go, where do I want to go next? So having that plan, you know, to me, to me is pretty key in actually helping you formulate what you, want to, what you want to say as well because we've all got so much knowledge in our head, but if it just tumbles out without any sort of order, it's going to be more confusing for the reader as well and you may not get the outcome that you're looking to achieve. Okay. Um, certainly getting those outcomes right Getting it, getting it clear is important. I was just thinking as you, you, you're talking about how you described yourself earlier on in the conversation as that, uh, that reflector and, and perhaps a little bit of an introvert. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yes. can there be one other little advantage in having that book, you know, being able to put that in front of someone? If you are that little bit more introverted rather than, uh, hi, this is me, buy me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly. You know, some people are more of an extrovert and they're likely to, you know, I, I do do a lot of speaking. It's not necessarily my preferred thing, um, but I do do it. I'm quite good at it and I, um, you know, I'm, 
it, I find it's a really great way of actually getting in front of, of, of people, um, you know, and making, and making a difference. But I much prefer to sit behind my computer and write. You know, that's my thing. That's the thing that I love to do. You know, books are really, you know, the thing that I really want to create more of and help other people to sort of make that bigger difference. So, yeah, so if you're an introvert, you, well, you've still got to get in front of people. You can't just rely on the book. You know, you can't just write the book and expect it to sell. You've got to, you know, marketing in your book is a hook. My new book, you know, marketing is a whole section all by itself. And, and actually, you know, the marketing side of things is huge. There's not much point in writing a book and doing nothing with it. So there is that fine line between between sort of writing it but actually getting it out there as well. So even if you are a little bit introverted like I am, you still need to actually get your message out there. So whether you do podcasts like this, whether you do interviews, speaking, you know, get into sort of PR opportunities or, um, you know, other ways, awards or things like that, it's just about finding the way that works for you. And that's why there's one, no one-size-fits-all, Amechi. You know, there is, it's about having that tailor-made process. And you can get to number one on Amazon. There is a process behind it. But getting to number one on Amazon is one thing, but actually having that ongoing marketing plan that gives you a longer-term credibility and you know, longer-term reach is a different matter entirely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sort of this, one of the things that I've, I've, well, I've experienced personally and I've certainly seen and heard others also describe it, is that basic fear of being personally rejected. Mm-hmm. And... Sometimes having that book can just mm-hmm. be that nice little bridge. Here you are, have, have a copy of my book, or if you'd like to come buy a copy of my book, or my book's available at the back, or if you go to my website. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a far more gradual, gentle way of people being out, getting the opportunity to engage and share your know-how mm-hmm. than just basically having yourself Oh, let's talk about co- let's talk about coach. Well, that's really interesting, uh, but I'm not ready for it right now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, it's, it's a great way of bridging that gap. It's a great way of people getting to know you, you know, by paying ten, fifteen pounds, and they do go from someone who is potentially interested in what you're doing to becoming a client at some level anyway. You know, just by making that decision. So it's a great way to bridge the gap, but. As I said earlier, you know, when you're writing the book, there is that, you know, I, when I wrote my first book, The Secrets of Successful Coaches, I went through about three months, and I'll, I'll openly admit this to people because it, hopefully it will help, is I went through three months of, you know, who am I to write a book? Who wants to hear from me? What have I got to say? It was only the fact that I'd interviewed some really successful coaches in their field that I knew I had to get this book out there. I think it would have been very easy for me to say, you know what, Karen, you know, I'm never going to get that book out there. Um, so there's the whole rejection thing, the fear, the the worry will appear at some stage. It will probably pop up for a lot of people as well. Um, but on the other hand, obviously, when you've got that book out there, you've taken that you know deep breath and you've got a copy in your hand, it certainly bridges that gap, and I think that's a really key point. So you, you've got all that self-talk going on. Mm. What What was it that switched in you then? Because clearly something happened that said, well, mm-hmm. well enough of that. <laughs> Let's get on with it. Um, I just made the decision, I'll be perfectly honest with you, and I suddenly realized, you know, I've been working with mentors, um, coaching and mentors throughout my business 
um, you know, throughout the last eight years at different levels. And I think it was probably one of my mentors may have helped at that stage, or I just probably made that decision. And I think one of the things, as I said, you know, I interviewed so many successful coaches who I promised the book was going to be out there. I couldn't go back on my word. I couldn't, you know, I, yeah. you know, I just had to do it, and I just made that decision to do it. But I also knew that some people wouldn't like it. But I also knew that through writing the book, I would reach more people than I could do without it. So I just took that deep breath and just went for it anyway. And it's not perfect, but, you know, I do believe in imperfect action um, and just doing it. Now, you've mentioned a lot, a lot of people who've been around you, supported you in a professional way. Mm. Starting to run your own business is personal. <laughs> Yeah. Did you have to consider a significant other in your life? Did you have to have that kitchen kitchen slash boardroom meeting? Say, this is the direction I'm now going in. I certainly did, and I still do. You know, because you know, I when I started out, just to give you a bit of background to where I was, you know, I started out doing career coaching, and as I said right at the very beginning, is I got myself a coach, and she helped me to find a job that I wanted to do. So in those early years, I was um, straddling the two. So I had a job. And I was running my business, which has its pros and cons. You know, there's the uh, the cons of the fact that you can't spend your time 100% in the business and you're balancing the two. So, for example, I might have been doing a disciplinary in the afternoon and then seeing a coaching client in the evening. And there was, you know, I was really lucky. I had a brilliant boss and I was able to go part-time and make that switch. And I gave up my day job um, about four and a half years ago completely. Um, so there's certainly been moments where I've had those boardroom table conversations with my husband, and we still do. So when I gave up my job was a key thing um, because, you know, I still wasn't, although I was doing quite well at that stage and that there was, it was time to jump, there was still that inconsistency of income. There, at the time, I probably didn't have, I didn't have anywhere near the products that I have now as well as working one-to-one with people. I was probably still quite small at that stage, although I'd written my first book. I was still probably quite small in my business in terms of my outlook, my vision, and things like that. So, yeah, having those conversations is key. And what people, what I often find with my clients, actually, they realize that their other halves or their, you know, significant others or the people in their life that are important don't necessarily get it. I was talking to one of my clients um, last week, actually. She's um, recently given up some of the work that she does to actually spend more time on her business. And she was saying to me that, you know, when I'm working, when the kids are at school, I'm working over that period. And people, you know, people in my life don't get it. They think I can pop down the shop, you know, to get a pint of milk <laughs> when I'm working on my business. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people find is that education. It's the fact that, you know, I work from my home office, um, I'm still working, though. You know, what it does give me is the flexibility to put the washing on if I want to or, you know, go for a walk or things like that. But also there has to be that discipline around working as well. So I know I went off somewhere there. but <laughs> No, you, you're right, right on point. You, you talked about that kitchen slash boardroom discussion mm, yeah. with, with your husband. And you, you pointed out there the support also from your previous employers where you were able to gradually transition to go part-time and then ultimately to to move into focusing on your business mm-hmm. so yeah uh, and also drawing in the fact that there will be people who won't get it 
Yeah, um, and then continue to be people that don't get it as well. It's taken a lot of conversations with my own husband to actually for him to get it, and now he's actually supporting me more in the business and getting involved mm. with things as well, which is brilliant because it gets him seeing. And it's also great to have that sounding board because yeah, really key point is when you are running a business, coaching business, or you know you are a solopreneur, so you're running the business by yourself, and you've got to make a decision. You've got nobody to bounce ideas off, and I think that can be quite tough as well. So having a significant other or a business partner or a you know, a, you know, somebody in the business who is going to, you know, give you constructive advice and actually, hopefully, on some level, get it is going to be key. And that's where having, you know, certainly, you know, having a mentor for me is key because I know that if I need to make a big decision, I can, you know, bounce it off them and 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 move forward with that rather than thinking, am I making the right decision? Am I not? And going going round and round in circles. Well, it, that is definitely one. <laughs> One of the key killers in business, you know, that that circular process of thoughts. Is this the right yeah. thing? Is it not? Is it isn't it? You know, having that other that other person to just help you, like you say, to have as a sounding board, and also sometimes mm. to say, get on with it. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, what's you know you? just, just <laughs> someone saying yes sometimes. Oh, well, I, I I'm part of a mastermind group. I've joined a mastermind group this year, mm. and I was um. We had a group call, I think it was um, earlier this month, actually, and I said, well, I'm thinking of doing this, I'm thinking of doing this, and everyone said yes. It's just like, okay, I'm doing it. <laughs> I knew in the heart of hearts of what I needed to do, but it was, it was just getting that affirmation that I was on the right track, I suppose. Mm, very much so. And, and, and you know, in terms of the description of writing your book, being on, being on that right track is, is again one of the important elements that, that comes through in writing. One of the things I, I, I found myself and I, I found with other people when they, when they start writing is this issue of finding your voice. You know, mm. it, it seems to be one of the big things that can hold people back. Yeah. Yeah. How do you encourage people to write in their style, to kind of ditch all that? Well, at school we would talk, never start with a sentence with and or because mm. and. And I'm not. I don't speak the Queen's English, nor do I write it. So, how do you no. work with them around those kinds of things? I don't know. It's one of those things that comes quite naturally to me. Um, and I actually interviewed somebody for for, the, for your book is the hook, my new book. I interviewed someone about how to find your voice because it's something that always comes naturally to me. And often, many of my clients, because they've done writing in the past, they have kind of found their voice. So they've done blogging, they've written articles and things like that. They have that voice. But it's kind of about knowing. It is just about being you, isn't it? You know, a lot of people who know me have picked up my books and they've, you know, and they can hear my voice in their head as they're reading it because I, I, I'm not afraid to start with an and. I'm not afraid, you know, I do get someone to edit my books for me, so it's not like it's, you know, not correct, but it's not necessarily grammatically correct. You know, funny story actually, when I wrote my first book, um, my dad, bless him, he, um, he, um, did all the grammar side of things. He's a, he was a stickler for grammar. And one of the things that he did, but he would pick up on everything that I kind of thought, well, I write that because that's my way of being. That's just my style. Um, and I suppose over the years, I've just got, come to accept that, you know, my style is in this way. And how I encourage my clients to do it is just to find their own way. You know, how do they want to write? And just, you know, I'm quite happy to give people feedback on their chapters, on the information they send over to me. So for the clients I've got who are writing a book, I've got one particular lady who's a nutritionist. And over the last few weeks, every week I get a chapter from her, which is brilliant. And, you know, I'm not 
you know, criticizing her on the sort of the way she's writing, giving feedback, but I sort of, you know, I can help her to say, okay, so that was quite technical. Maybe you just need to sort of take a step back from that because she's in it. Um, but, it, you know, she's got a brilliant way of writing. So it's just, I don't know, everyone finds their own voice in a different way. It's just doing it, I think. <laughs> I'm almost, almost sensing someone needs to moni- um, kind of work with you on understanding how you do what you do. Because it, it sounds yeah, very much yeah. that you've got, um, as, as you pointed out earlier on, you, you, you're naturally good at this particular thing. But kind of pulling it out and teasing it out is, yeah, is yeah. also <laughs> useful. Uh, well, uh, I, I have had somebody, I'll be honest with you, I had someone model me recently. So, so when I wrote my oh, first book, it, it came about as my NLP Master Practitioner Modeling Project. Um, and mm. then a couple of... Uh, um, Got about a month, six weeks ago, I had someone who contacted me through through um, a former client of mine to model me, not on this process, ironically, but on um, another mm-hmm. part of what I do. Um, so that was interesting, actually trying to work out what do I do, because it does become naturally. So, you know, I, I want to sort of throw this back to you, Metji. You know, I know you're interviewing me, but how, how have you found your voice? Because I'm sure through your website, through articles you've written, through blogs and things like that, how have you found your voice? A combination of things. One of them is is actually through the medium of interviewing because I've played the Mm -hmm. interviews back and I've heard myself. Um, Another is through talking with people once they've they've known me a little while and and read some of the content. So they've been able to marry up the voice that that they've heard and the conversational style that I have Mm -hmm. with what then appears in print. And Mm -hmm. I think the third is, is being sensitive to myself. As in, when I when it doesn't sound like me, <laughs> when I'm reading yeah. something through, and I think, and it's mm, no, that I've lost it there. It's not. Mm. Ah, let's bring it back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I suppose the fourth element is just being aware of when I'm in that flow. I can I can hear myself saying it as I'm writing it. And yeah. so literally, it is a transmission of information in the head through the fingers into the keyboard and onto the screen. Mm. So all of those elements really running together. Just just a really important thing to add, Amechi, on that is that um, you, it sounds like you're very much like me. You know, you find your flow through through your head, through your fingers, through onto the keyboard. Um, other people might find their flow through speaking as well. So I know certainly know some people who prefer to write through speaking and maybe speaking into, I don't know, a smartphone, um, some sort of recorder, and then maybe getting it transcribed or using something like Dragon to, to actually, you know, sort of um, type up the, t- the thought as well. So that's another thing that some people may come across that they get into flow that way. Whereas, obviously, you and I both like just to sit there, and I find that when I'm in flow I can <laughs> I, I know I write about this in the book is that you know when I'm writing I forget about my stomach I forget about drinking I have a cold cup of coffee and um, everything else goes out the window and suddenly it's four hours later and I go oh what time is it or it suddenly gets dark and I have to shut the curtains and think okay so I've lost the day because that's how I like to run you know write in big chunks of time um, but yeah I think finding your voice is just something that's going to be unique to everybody really um, mm-hmm. I mean, I certainly uh, am a strong advocate of the the speaking and recording of yourself, if mm-hmm. that's easier. Uh, apart from anything else, it shifts you way past a lot of the editing. 
that you might yeah. do if you're a typing, if you're typing, mm-hmm. especially as the screen go wiggles that red line underneath. Oh no, you spot that wrong. I better go and change it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got yeah. I've got that sentence the wrong way round. <laughs> um, it, it is just that flow of, of getting the information out, and I think you you highlighted a really key point in that writing process of getting it transcribed. You know, if you know your skill set is not typing, <laughs> hand up here. <laughs> Pass it on. Get to, give it to somebody who loves to type. Get it done. Get it laid out. Finish. Move on. Mm. Next. <laughs> mm. Well, exactly. Again, you know, it's not much point in doing everything yourself if there's other people who do things better for you. Um, but I'll also say that when I wrote my first book, I did 11 interviews with successful coaches. And all of those interviews were audio interviews, and I transcribed, my VA did some of them for me, but I transcribed a lot of the interviews myself, mainly because mm. that helped me to write the book, because although mm. it took me ages, I am a touch typer, a bad touch typer, but I do touch type. Um, but it helped me to really embody myself in, in you know, really get myself immersed in the knowledge that they were sharing with me. So, you know, the sometimes there's a time to outsource and sometimes you know using something like fiverr.com or people per hour you know you can mm. you your time is worth more maybe than transcribing something like that so i think it's key again to use other people to support you yeah certainly crit- critical elements and and at the same time i sort of i'm thinking back to those early days of when i when i started coaching and there was almost a the coaching blanket you know, I coach. Mm-hmm. I am a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, to move to be to be someone who speaks, someone who writes, was, mm-hmm. or or even somebody who runs group group coaching or group training, was seemed like a big step. Mm-hmm. You you on the other hand seem to have expanded your range. You know, I, I did say at the beginning that you, you coach, that you train, you speak. How did you move out from that? Great, I'm doing one-to-one coaching. To I can I can reach more people. Mm. There was a particular turning point in my life when I was um, when I when I wrote my first book. I um, organised a book launch party, so I hired a room in a hotel beautiful room I invited about 100 people 70 people booked to turn up so it's a brilliant event and when I was doing the PowerPoint slides just to support my presentation I wanted to deliver on that evening I suddenly realized I had that blinding realization that I wasn't just a coach that blinding realization that I was a business owner and I had various tools in my toolkit so for for example I'm an NLP master practitioner I'm a um, chartered member of the CIPD I'm you know trained in clean language I'm a qualified coach and you know my background spans a huge amount of areas that I realized that it just wasn't about being a coach. And one of the things I often advise my clients to do is not introduce themselves as a coach. And I'm going a little bit off topic here, but, you know, to be honest, people don't, you know, when it comes to sort of running a business, people don't buy coaching, they don't buy nutrition, they don't buy hypnotherapy, they buy that result. And what you're doing is you're providing a service where you're giving people that result. Now, even with totally non-directive traditional coaching, people will still seek those often 
I certainly find who have some sort of specialism. So I met you, for example, in the career arena where you're an expert. I'm sure people seek you because of that, even if you're going sort of totally down the non-directive route. So I think it's just really that whole identity of I'm a coach. It's more about I'm a business coach. So I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a business owner and coaching is one of the tools in, in my toolkit. And certainly a lot of my clients have various tools that they can then sort of pluck out when they're required as well. So I know I've gone a little bit off topic, but I certainly feel it's relevant to that whole identity thing and who you actually are. And when you're a business owner, it's just about supporting that business through products, through the one-to-one support, through um, other ways in which you can build your business. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly agree 100% with what you're sharing because, A, from talking to coaches at various stages in their career, there are some, some who who undersell immensely what else they have you know exactly. oh, I've just started yep. co- I've just started coaching yes but you're telling me that you've had 15 years of doing this you've had 20 years mm-hmm. of doing this and you've had all these years of being a human being on the planet mm-hmm. oh but I didn't think those things were important I don't yeah. think I didn't think they made a difference I didn't think mm-hmm. they were what people were interested in wanted to engage with i thought they just wanted a coach mm. so bringing that whole person that whole the whole the whole assets uh into the situation definitely i 100 percent agree with you karen i don't think you're going off topic at all <laughs> um and as someone who has very recently reviewed where i've been with my with my my coaching worker in the area of career and I made a decision that actually I needed to step back from saying to people on the career coach because I found it was too limiting. Mm-hmm. There, was, there, there was more that I was able to offer offer people, and I was actually mm-hmm. doing doing myself and them a disservice by not mm-hmm. acknowledging there was more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know that that I think is certainly a message that I would encourage those those you listening out there and think, oh well, you know, I, I, I've just got to be a coach and that's it. <laughs> Yeah. Find out if if you if you are actually limiting what you can offer people. Um, mm. There are a few clues. You know, if you find yourself having to take that hat off during the coaching session, say, "I'm going to take my ex hat, my coach's hat off, and pop on this other hat." You know, mm-hmm. as a parent, as a as a mentor, as someone who used to work in the field, as someone who, you know, you fill in the blank. If you find that's mm-hmm. going on. <laughs> Yeah. Bring it into your business. Don't stick it outside. Mm. Yeah, I remember a conversation I had with um, with somebody once who who she negated to share the whole of her story with me, and she forgot that her years of working um, as a head teacher in the teaching environment had a huge impact on her future. So she kind of said, I'm a coach, so this is what I do. From, from qualifying as a coach to the future, this is what I do. And when I started to delve into what her past was prior to becoming a coach, you know, there was a huge amount of experience she had, and it was kind of that aha light bulb moment going on there, going, oh, yeah, you know, it's not just about the coaching where you are, you know, with your coaching business, it's about what you've done in the past as well, your story, your background, your knowledge, your expertise, your experience, and all of that, bringing that into your business and also your book. Bringing it all together, and, and you talked about it a little bit earlier on in terms of your hours spent on creating a website. 
Mm. How do you, uh, where, where can people engage with all the things that you've brought together now? How can they contact you? How can they access some of the, some of the tools that you have? Yeah, the best way, well, there's a couple of ways in which people can access me. If you go to my website, which is www.selfdiscoverycoaching.co.uk, or if you Google Karen Williams Coach, I will pop up um, on your screen anyway. Um, so that's a really great way of getting um, in touch with me. I've got a free ebook on my website, um, Seven Reasons Why Your Business Needs a Book, um, not surprisingly, and you can download that and get in touch with me. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. My business page is Self Discovery Coaching, or on Twitter, um, it's uh, twitter.com forward slash self discovery. So I think the worst, you know, if the worst comes to the worst, Google me, you'll find me. I will pop up on your screen. Um, or just get in touch, you know, drop me an email, give me a ring, and I'd love to find out how I can help people. And Karen, you're, you're a K-A-R-E-N, aren't you? I am indeed. A Karen Williams, yep, and you can find me quite easily. <laughs> no, I, I'm just aware that there are variations of, of, of the spelling of there Karen. So just I always sure. say I'm the normal spelling, but other people might not agree with that. <laughs> If in doubt, selfdiscoverycoaching.com. <laughs> yep. And .co.uk. Okay. .co.uk, but you'll find me on .com as yep. well, because that's another one. Oh, my God. I could talk for hours about this, Amechi. <laughs> well, we've only got about five more minutes. But coincidentally, although we haven't really explored it much, you, as someone who's not, who's described as, as you describe yourself as not being a natural, naturally extrovert, you are also a speaker. So how do you utilize how do you utilize the book that you've created or the books that you've created within your speaking? How does that assist you? How does that help you? Um really great point again. Um if I am so I spoke at the Eurocoach List conference um a couple of weeks ago and I take an element of what I do and I talk about it. So for example, I talked about in that conference I talked about why your business needs to, needs to, needs a book and I took part of my new book and I talked about it and I shared some of the other information that I do as well. So um that's one way in which I do it. Um obviously if I go to events I take my books with me anyway and I normally sell them um at the event. Um and also, you know, trying to find out how I can help people and maybe you know if people wanted a copy of my ebook for example you know I will help you know let them have a copy of that so it's really looking at every opportunity I go is to build my business one of the um, speaking engagements I have done I've spoken at the same place for the last um, three years actually um, April um, for the last three years and it's a coaching group and I've just got a huge a huge amount of um, resources to share and every time I go in I talk about something different um, however I've worked with probably about five of those um, members over, over that three year period on a one to one basis and many of them have sort of you know got my books been on my programs come to my events and things like that so speaking is one of those things that doesn't come naturally to me but I've had a lot of I'm a trainer by, by trade I suppose so I'm kind of used to doing that and I just take that deep breath and I do it and it's just finding for me it's about finding the right speaking engagement so coaching business of, business events where I get in front of the right people where I know I can make a bigger difference. And I've travelled from, I live in Portsmouth, and I've travelled up to York, Cheshire, Wales, 
Um, and I've even spoken on Russian radio, bizarrely, <laughs> for an interview based from Portsmouth. So that was that was my most random experience, I think, um, which was probably about 18 months ago of um, getting my message out there. So <laughs> these things happen. But I think it's just about when you are in business, when you see yourself as that business owner, you're going to do what it takes. You know, whether you know you you go on a tele summit, whether you um, you know run your own webinars like I do or whether you actually get out there and physically speak in front of people. It's just finding that way that allows you to, to become more visible, to get noticed, to you know, put your head above the parapet and actually tell people you exist, because that's the way you're going to be successful. Well, that seems a really powerful way to, to bring today's call to, to an end. I want to thank you very much, Karen, for being our guest today on uh, The Business of Coaching. Really appreciated your insight and your your suggestions and practical tips, and of course, giving people the opportunity of ways to connect and learn more from you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Okay, everybody, remember to tune in to the next podcast of the the business of coaching. I've been your host today, Amechi Udo, and please remember, listeners, you are your first client. Until next time, thank you very much.